Hey folks, welcome back to the Uticast episode number 55 and today we're doing something old and we're doing something new. Let's start with something old. It is the return of the newest member of our two timers club, my very close personal friend and the man behind UCs with Z. Anthony Z. Donaldson returns to the show. Very excited for that. And uh, let's get to something new. Hey, we have a sponsor. For the first time in the show's 55 episode history, we have a sponsor. I can finally say it. This episode is brought to you by the Adirondack Scenic Railroad. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you don't know anything about trains. You're just doing this for money. But you're wrong. Go to MaidenUtica.com and check out our video we did from the most recent beer and wine train. That's not your bag. They have tons of featured train rides, including ones for the whole family and ones including rail and river trips. So go to AdirondackRR.com and check out the full list of events. The Adirondack Scenic Railroad. It's more than just a train ride. All right, let's get on with the show. Episode 55. Now we got to get them to toss in some money so we can get the Quad City DJs, the train, yeah, that'll be to play with their stuff. We can get, I'm sure that Quad City DJs licensing it's a, it's a low is right plummeting. <laughs> that voice you hear, uh, besides the voice of Kevin Sullivan, Kevin, welcome back. It's always happy to have you here. Yo, yo. Uh, is the voice of the self-imposed man in exile, Justin Parkinson. You've returned from your time in the desert. Just like Napoleon. You can't keep me away. I'm coming back to Napoleon was again. defeated and killed. He was exiled and returned. And he was eventually also, defeated again, but this is going to be a different story. To Kevin. be fair, he was also very short. You know, the parallels well, between you are, are actually, uh, it's kind of staggering. You're there's both worse short. people to be in the world than Napoleon, I'll tell you that much. You know, they actually used to refer to it as a Parkinsonian complex <laughs> until Napoleon came along, so uh, it all goes full circle. I think we're related. Um, so guys, we did it. We made it past the white whale that was Boilermaker Weekend. Uh, 39th Annual Boilermaker was... Uh, Sunday, yesterday, from the time we're taping this, and it was, uh, by all accounts, a big success. The weather was lovely. Did you notice how nice the weather was? I did notice how nice the weather was. I also <laughs> noticed that uh, I think our pals at the Boilermaker 15K, and they are more than welcome to come on the show and talk with us about weather forecasts anytime they want, <laughs> uh, they jumped the gun on chastising you, you for making it rain. Uh, well, I do make it rain, you know. Different kind a of Different rain, kind right? of rain. You know, look... Uh, <laughs> I actually, he has sponsorship money now. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably raining down. <laughs> raining all the way to the bank. Uh, no, look. Uh, Plus the I, fringe benefits. I actually... <laughs> yeah, the, the Boilermaker... These days. I'll shout out... Actually, I want to shout out whoever the... I don't know who interacts on the Boilermaker social media. Brittany, she's great. I, well, Brittany, shout out for Reactives. I actually had a really fun time doing a lot of that stuff on yeah. there. I'm sure you did too. Uh, and I actually thought I had a great time at the Boilermaker. Uh, so... I thought we have a unique experience here because, Justin, you were at the Boilermaker as a spectator. Yes. Uh, I was there as a runner. I was there as royalty, actually. <laughs> yeah, Get it right. how about it? <laughs> and, Kevin, you were there working the event from a working standpoint. Yes. So we do have an interesting... Uh, three different looks. Three, three different, different looks here. So, uh, Kev, let's start with you. You you were out here... 
I put you on the list of the real heroes of the Boilermaker. I have a, a short list the of heroes coming up. There's some real heroes of the Boilermaker. But I think that people forget that the Boilermaker is an event that there are employees who work at. I got I to tell as, as pretty much, you know, the top of the food chain, more or less, for, for coordinating this, this Boilermaker planning party, making sure everything was going well. Uh, luckily, there's a lot of people to brew with a lot more experience than me that we were able to rely on, but... I, I got to work at 3 a.m. on Sunday, <laughs> something that I anybody who follows me on Twitter knows because I had no problem complaining about it slash patting myself on the back for it <laughs> all day on Sunday. Um, but as somebody who had never been at the Boilermaker from that capacity, it was staggering to me how much work actually does go into it. Mm. And to see, like, even the guys, like, all the way down to guys who work in the plant and the warehouse and the role that they play in getting everything ready because... Besides just the party out in the lot, which is a huge thing, um, up in the area that's normally our shipping and our storage and where we keep you know, our mountains and mountains of cases of beer, all that stuff gets moved around to basically create walkways and corridors for the VIPs and for you know friends of the mats and everything like that back there. And so many kegs of beer, and I mean, so many bagels from you know Bagel Grove hooked us up. We were there at like you know two thirty in the morning ordering thousands of bagels. All the you know the different refreshments, the things that go into it. It was crazy to see how everybody comes together, and it was really, it was it was awesome to see. Like everybody always says, the Boilermaker is kind of the best holiday in Utica, and after seeing it from that side, it was even more inspirational to me. You know, even though I don't think I didn't even see the finish line. Yeah. After probably seven a.m., I never got around to the finish line again. But it was crazy. Um, yeah, I. I can, Justin, let's go with you first, because I I'm, I have a little bit of something to go into as a runner on this. So you were watching the uh, the event. I saw you on Whitesboro Street. That's where I always uh, hang. Uh, you were sitting with uh, like good all the time, not just the boilermaker. Yeah, you love <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, you were sitting with good friend of the pod, Chris Mandry. Yep. And you guys didn't plan it, but you were both wearing uh, very patriotic USA themed apparel, and it really looked like you guys had called each other. Head to toe, stars and stripes from uh, the lads. Stars and bars, baby. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Making you, America great again is what uh, we're saying. So as a guy who, you're really there as like a media representative and a guy who's just watching it as a person who loves the city and, you know, likes to be involved, what did you, what were your opinions of the Loyal Maker? Uh, I've done it from a couple of different perspectives. So like from the media standpoint, I when I first came to Utica, my first Boilermakers were working the TV crew stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was what Kevin thing. You got to be at the station at 4 a.m. You're running like checks and where people are and all that. That becomes a whole different appreciation but not in a good way where you don't actually get to appreciate it. So as a spectator, it's completely different because you just are void of all of that other nonsense, yeah. you know? So I got to go there. Uh, the goal was to meet Mark on Whitesboro Street. He was going to find Rainbow and Mandry. Rainbow didn't make it for some reason, and I found Mandry. So I was like, I can be as much of a sideshow as Rainbow. <laughs> at least. At least I can give you something. Um, and so I hung out with him. Um, we had a real good time. The the drums with, with the cans, people were like going nuts, mm. and he's unbelievable. It's like just playing can like it's ridiculous. It's five games like they were like pickle drums or something like that, and mm-hmm. Mandry's just like drumming the whole entire time, and he legitimately was having people pumped, like stopping him, yelling how he's the man. He did a great show last night. Like people actually recognized him and were waiting for him there to. Say, hey, what up? Thanks for playing, you know? Remind so. me after we get done taping today. I've got a story about Chris playing, like, pots and pans yeah. and stuff to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, it was uh, it was interesting, though. And, and um, obviously, just from, from walking around, um, the attire earned me n- enough praise. <laughs> I, dude, I can't believe... You walked around at the post-Boilermaker ceremony wearing that get-up with the crown on and the stars <laughs> and stripes... 
And people were just like, great job with this outfit, man. Patting you in the back. I'm like, he didn't do anything. Yeah. He did nothing. Yeah. It's like, as his friends, it's like, no, you don't get it. He literally would wear this every don't day. Don't congratulate him. You know what? The, 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 the first thing was a great outfit. We love you, King. Most people said that. The other one was like... We love you, King. Yeah, it was almost their exact words. And uh, the other thing was, did you run in that? And I'm wearing slippers with pants rolled up to my shins. And I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I ran in this with these slippers on. Are you kidding me? I'd still be at the golf course right now if that was the case. And call the medics. Um, I, I felt like it was a great event. I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. Uh, I made the news. You did make the news. I think that I was later removed from the news. I, I didn't make that. <laughs> what a I surprise. Think they, I swear to God, they cut me out. I swear. Um, I, I made the live airing, and somebody made a phone call, and I did not make the internet broadcast. Yeah. That's a shame for the internet, isn't yes. it? I made sure uh, that yeah, the internet there's not because <laughs> there's not enough Parkinson on the local internet. Uh, so, Everybody was stopping me for photos. What was I supposed to do? So let me, uh, let's me let talk about this from a running perspective. This was my third year running the Boilermaker. Uh, and if anyone saw our live stream that Justin posted on Maiden Utica from Boilermaker Morning with uh, yeah. with me and uh, Cliff Montoni, who will be coming up for the next segment, um, I was very uh, confident about my abilities and my my status and how I was feeling. I, th I believe I told everyone I was going to win. I felt like this was going to be the year. It really did feel like it was all coming together. Uh, I did not win. I think and it's it was a the shame. fanny pack. If it wasn't for you know the what? fanny pack, Let's it's a look, whole different all right. race. First so. off, I'll say this. I did not train with the fanny pack at any point in time. It messes with you. It's not. It didn't mess with me that bad. But it certainly was something I should have thought about before just busting it out there the first time I've ever run nine miles with this thing hanging off. You know my, what's shameful about the fanny pack is you wore it backwards under your shirt. If you're gonna wear a fanny pack, put it on the right way and let it show. Let it I, let it just be there. Yeah, but you can't have that thing bouncing around near your yeah. business for yeah, nine yeah, miles. Yeah. Honestly, I I had to wear it really I thought low. You were trying to impress people. <laughs> I had to wear it really low because it would bounce up and down. Like that actually became a problem later on. Like you had to push it so far <laughs> down over your hips that it wouldn't shake around. But it was a bad decision. Uh, so next year, no fanny pack. Bad bad decision. Uh, but let me tell you this. So uh, I had said earlier in a statement, uh, a joking statement, that the Boilermaker is not very hard. Uh, the Boilermaker is not very hard if you're a good runner, right? <laughs> uh, and the rest of our Maiden Utica crew, Cliff Montoni and Kate Riley, and uh, shout out to the one and only Ann Moore. God, she's a babe. <laughs> she's Marry great. me, Ann. We got something worked out next year. Proposal. Stay oh, tuned. yeah? Oh, yeah. She let her know about that first. I did. Um, <laughs> and... So we all ran together at... Now, Cliff and Katie and, and Ann had been training to do seven or eight miles. I gotta be honest, I never got above four and a half. And I was just sort of confident. I'm like, well, I've done this before. I understand how to run long distances. You I ran cross country. Out. Cut the soda out. I've been doing yoga. I'm okay. <laughs> I feel all right. I knew, coming through South Utica, that I was in trouble. When... We got out of the golf course. It's not very far. <laughs> it's about, no, it's about five miles in. It's about five miles in. And, um... Because what happens is that you come through South Utica out of the golf course, yep. you come down yep. the parkway, that's where you're supposed to recover. You build up your recovery to get, it's all mostly downhill, so you yep. get recovered, and then you get to Burstone, and you go push yourself up Burstone, and then you recover again. I knew when I got to the fast track in South Utica that I was not recovered enough. You were just a few blocks away from I was not, yeah. Was, was, <laughs> just they hang a left and just run back to Leslie. Yeah, I could have just been home. I was right there. Uh, but yeah, it was not my worst time. But it was definitely the worst I've ever felt after the Boilermaker was over. It didn't I, look too good either, so... I was doing Frankenstein walk where I didn't bend my knees. I was just straight-legged for the rest of the night. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I still love running it. Like, I, I was happy that I ran it. I was glad. I felt good when it was over with. I saw 
uh, FTL Sports uh, correspondent Andy Sullivan at the finish line. That was always an exciting moment. I'll the tell you crown what. does not come off during the anthem, Sullivan. If you oh, got a problem, wow. you know where I live. Wow. He told me specifically that you were being a disrespectful piece of garbage, and I believed it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't question it for one he second. He told me the same thing. So my, my, I know he wasn't lying. <laughs> my, brother, my brother, who was featured last week on, on the podcast, uh, he had a pretty tough weekend himself. He, we had his stag party on Friday mm-hmm. night, which we got well and good into it. And uh, he kept going all the way through Saturday, and then Sunday was Boilermaker Sunday. I saw him this morning around the offices down at the brewery, and uh, I tough weekend that, for the lab. I think he's had a tough go since the sign lighting. I feel like he's got some uh, redemption. Good goes from Wednesday. The, the whole city is. This is the toughest. This is the <laughs> toughest stretch here. of the summer right now. Also, that three dice silo probably didn't help at the stag party. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, all right, so Justin, I want to thank you for coming in today uh, and talking about Boilermaker with us. Actually, before we leave though, the Boilermaker thing, I want to talk about three real heroes of the Boilermaker that I want to bring to light. The first is the cleanup crew. And I don't mean just at the brewery. I mean the actual race cleanup crew. If you ever run along a race, you'll notice there are people handing out, uh, you know, cups of water and ice everywhere. The road is a disaster. And when I drove around in Utica today, it did not look like anything was different. It was crazy like, It was crazy to me after the party. That's funny yeah. you say that because literally within, like, the party clears out real quick. When it's over, it's over, and people mm-hmm. charge right out. It's been a long day for everybody. Uh, the the difference between the way the lot looked when the party was over and even the way it looked 30 minutes later yep. was unbelievable. Pretty amazing. Great Pretty amazing. team of volunteers. Yeah. Glad it wasn't me and my staff. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, another real hero of the Boilermaker, yo, the wheelchair racers. And I, I got to be honest, there's a lot of dudes who, when you're running the race, the 15K, there are a lot of people who are still in the wheelchair portion of the race doing it. Mm-hmm. When you really watch somebody, like, really putting in work, and it's it's inspiring, and I have no. It's not. I'm. I hope that doesn't come off as sarcastic, because when you watch somebody really do that, it's like wow. Yeah. That's it's an inspiring thing to see. So someone doing the boilermaker in in that wheelchair well, race I is think, amazing. I think that that's awesome to see because I feel like for myself, if I was ever, you know, hopefully this never happens, but if I ever ended up in a wheelchair. I, I feel like it would be really tough to not just quit mm, right, on yeah. life in general, you know what I mean? And just Nothing's. be, like, miserable and mope around and just, you know, drown in my sorrows. Mm. And to see people go out there and, like, I've never run the Boilermaker. Yeah. Hopefully I never run the Boilermaker. <laughs> and to see these guys go out here and crank through like that is it, that is amazing. Yeah, inspirational is a word that gets thrown around a lot really yeah. easily in today's, like, world. But mm-hmm. really, really, truly inspiring to see those dudes out there. They're so. not chump yeah. athletes either. These oh, dudes chump, are dude, doing legitimate yeah. wheelchair racing times, um, too. And this then, is not uh, just, like, people off the streets just decided to do it. Yeah. You know, these guys are good. And then uh, last last real hero. This one's a little uh, less serious. There are people who stand out in the sides of the Boilermaker and hand out uh, half-cut push pops, like the push uh, ice cream pops. You guys. Whoever, <laughs> you guys, like, just quick clap for you guys. Yeah. Uh, Parkinson, you had some announcements you wanted to hit before Can we I, uh, head yeah. out for that. Wait, wait, before we move to your announcements, I want to say one thing really quick, and it doesn't matter because I don't think these people know or will listen, but I have to say if we're doing Heroes of the Boilermaker, I'm going to do three very quickly. Three Heroes of the Boilermaker – Tom Brockway, Devin Hoffman, and Maiden Utica's own intern, Gator. All three mm. of those people are heroes mm-hmm. of the Boilermaker, and it could not have gotten done without those three people. Go ahead. Jeez. So, Parkinson, what do you got to announce here for us? Oh, uh, first things first. He's got three heroes. All yeah. three are him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, if you're good at something, don't do it for free, volunteers. Um, <laughs> secondly, what were we talking about again? I don't know. Announcements. Oh, I have one more thing, though. The kid that won the 5K. 
Run the 15K because you won it <laughs> four <laughs> years in a row. Dude, it's a did. bunch of bullshit that you're getting this praise for winning a three-mile race five years him. in a row. He was walking in. Get he's like, oh, here. yeah, I did the 5K in 17 minutes. Then nut up and run the 15K, exactly. pal. Exactly. I'm glad we could get what that out What do you mean? <laughs> you know what, man? Let's bring that guy onto the show. Good, yeah. There's no accolade for your accomplishment. We should challenge that guy versus... Sam Femilaro in a 15k road race next weekend. He would be uh, annihilated. I why don't would, know about why that would necessarily. You just, like, amp up all year to run the 5k really fast. That just makes no sense to me. I can do a 5k in okay time. It's it's not as hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all right, make your announcement. Uh, Come on. We are going to do something cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did you come on here for that announcement? Come on, man. Well. We're going to do a... F- fine, fine, fine. We are uh, just signed up today to do uh, three movie nights in Franklin Square. The really? The alley behind uh, Bite Bakery, or in between Bite Bakery and... and uh, I don't know if there's active buildings there, but right on, right on there, <clears throat> um, we're going to put a 16-foot by 32-foot screen in that alley. Yeah? Yeah. Way to downplay a cool announcement. Oh, what the heck, man? Well, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, oh, the first right. one's going to be the 27th. Uh, Joe Marino has been fantastic they didn't even have a permit because nobody wants to use that space you couldn't even go to the city and be like hey, i want to follow a permit for that space They're like oh it doesn't exist who's picking the movies this all right it's not you is it listen I, this is all right we're not going to get into that part but <laughs> what i'm gathering is the first one's supposed to be jurassic park Oh, I excellent. don't know if it's Jurassic excellent. Park or Jurassic World. I'm adamantly against Jurassic World. If anybody's listening, gotta be Park. It's gotta it's be, gotta be Jurassic Park. My stance was Jurassic Park. Everyone's already paid this. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> already paid to see Jurassic World. I don't. No one's gonna come see it for free. But yeah, it's a free free event. Um, we have three, so I, I think we'll cycle some movies in. But we're gonna be teaming up with Bite Bakery, obviously, who are gonna do do quite a bit partnering with us with it, and then Nomad Cinema, who's providing. Uh, the equipment and the sound and, oh, and that's all that awesome. type of that's stuff. Yeah. Cool. I was so concerned you were going to trot out that little teeny tiny projector you got in your bedroom that you can't <laughs> see in the pitch black. <laughs> oh, no, no, yes. really. That thing in the alley would be tough. Well, it depends how dark it is. <laughs> great. All right, Parkinson, thanks a lot for coming on this Taking week. Taking wind out of my sails. I had a great no, that's, Sunday. That's outrageous. That's I didn't, really exciting. I didn't even run the race. I was just slugging all of the... Why would you run the Boilermaker? I didn't when run. When you can dress up an American flag in a crown and get free beer at the end. I didn't run, but I definitely <laughs> won. Justin Parkinson, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Parkinson, I, I say this in all sincerity. I don't normally say it. Get out. I got it. <laughs> no! <laughs> it's nice to have you on the show. Yo, it's nice to have you back. Okay. I wish they could see his face. It actually is sincere. It is sincere. And we'll be back in just a moment. I'll never be back. (laughs) It's never coming back. We'll be back in just a moment. Cliff Montoni's back on the show. Welcome back to the show, Cliff. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, especially after the other half of your bromance is now gone. <laughs> oh, uh, Cliff, if we ever get a podcast going with you, we should call it Cliff's Notes. Cliff's I just Notes. thought of that. Did you? you oh, just, yeah. Cliff's Notes. Yeah. Um, hey, have you and Parkinson ever come up with like a joint 
like name for your like romance. Like me and, <laughs> oh. me and Kevin never did. I guess. Oh, I man. thought that sentence was done right there, and I was like, yeah, definitely. But then I heard the rest. Of it. Go ahead. Uh, no, I. Any, why do you have an idea? No, I was trying to make up one when you guys were both. Sam, in I swear head. to God, if you have secretly come up with a name <laughs> for yours and mine friendship, I'm done. I've never had. Oh no, uh, we're gonna hear a breakup on air. No, no, those are those are always very silly. I was reading about one of those today, but it's not really. Uh, it's not relevant to our conversation. Uh, no, but it's interesting, and I'm gonna get to work on it. <laughs> uh, all right, so let me ask you this. Uh, we just talked about the Boilermaker in the last segment. Yes. Uh, I do have some serious stuff about politics we're going to talk about in a minute. But Lovely. You, but you ran your first Boilermaker ever. Yeah, I did. It was fantastic. Had you ever, like, been? Did you know anything about it besides it was a thing that you people do? Uh, I haven't run in a competitive, organized race since college, mm. um, and that was cross-country. And I'll assure you, people did not watch me. Uh, yeah. like, so, I was not the draw on that one. So you've never even attended a Boilermaker, been to no, the party? No, not at all. So nope. what, were, what was your impression as somebody who'd never seen it before? That's oh my god, yeah. No, it was insanity. It was so much more than I ever thought. Mm. Um, the wait to start the race was... <laughs> really uh, yeah, was was really <laughs> weird. I just like, like cattle slowly going to their doom, you know, just <laughs> waiting, waiting for this nine miles to crush um, me. The phenomenon that Cliff is talking about is whenever, uh, if you've ever run the Boilermaker or any similar uh, large 15k race where there's a lot of people in it uh, once the race starts it's not like everyone's at the line and the race starts and it goes people are released based on what their previous times yeah, yeah, were yeah. right staggered out if you're a general runner like everyone in the Maiden Utica crew was which is pretty much everything after like an hour and a half is what you think you're going to finish in is pretty much general time uh, you start in a big big group in the back yeah so yeah. by the time you actually get from the back of the group to the front of the quote-unquote starting Start, line, yeah. you're looking at it 9 to 10 minutes. Yeah, we right? ran 9.8 miles. Yeah, so however long the race was, we ran 9.8. By the time, by the time yeah. you start running, one of these Kenyan fellas is already finished. Yeah, he's yeah. three quarters he's of the way through. He's already getting through. dope yeah, <laughs> That's a, There's a funny moment in the race that always happens, and Cliff, you'll, you'll appreciate this. There's a certain amount of time when you're a regular runner, like that's like the fifth mile or the fourth mile, whatever, where you're like... 45 minutes that's where the split is and that's the first time you think somebody just crossed that finish yeah yep. i'm here and yeah. someone just crossed that yeah, finish absolutely. i'm at the goddamn bagel grove yep. something else that was really cool i didn't bring up before and i feel like we're gonna accidentally stray into doing an all boilermaker show here yeah. but i had no idea that how uh serious the drug testing was for like the oh, elite, yeah. elite athletes yeah so like at the brewery for anybody who's familiar i know you guys both are because you've seen it when those guys cross the finish line, they're brought right into the drug testing area, which we do in our tour center in there. And even like when they're in the race, like all the volunteers, you can't just hand one of those guys a bottle of water because they will not take it. Right, right. You have to hand them like two bottles and let them pick. Right. And once they go in there, like even staff, like I had all access pass clearances, like there was almost nobody else who had yeah. larger clearance than the, you know the pass that I had on. Yeah. You can't walk through that room. You right. can't cut through. You can't go near it. Oh, you yeah. can't even walk through as a staff yeah. carrying a box of cups yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Nobody's allowed. And I had no idea it was that serious. Yeah, it's because that serious. Because for yeah. all of us, the Boilermaker is like this big fun thing. We're going to go out and run and drink and watch the band and have a yeah. party. But right. for these guys who it's do it life. for a living, yeah. like I saw them all coming through for the post-race party backstage to come out to be announced as the winners. And watching these like serious, elite, long-distance runners with their crew and entourage, when they walk by you, it's just like... You're like, damn, dude, you're a, that's a whole different specimen of human being. Yeah, yeah. I passed mine, by the way. Hey. Yeah. Did you pass it? That's yeah, good. Yeah, I definitely was clean. Uh, like, I didn't you take anything. what would happen if they drug tested every person who ran the race? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Please. Uh, yeah, so I, I had a great time running it, Cliff. Um, before we go too far uh, away from it, 
What do you think the hardest part was? Because people always say there's different... What was the hardest part for you? So going in, everything I got was the hardest part is Whitesboro Street because yep. you think it's almost over and it's not. Did you know the course before you started? I had run... Did you know what the course was going to be? Yes. Uh, so I knew the course. The only part that I hadn't run was the first two miles. Okay. Um, I Which ran... the worst part for me, actually. Yeah, I ran the golf course on one occasion, and I ran the last five miles uh, the Thursday before. Mm. Um, so I was prepared mentally because I had something just necessary for me to get out of bed and do. Yeah. Like, I wasn't going to be surprised by it. Um, the hardest part, I did not find Whitesboro Street to be the hardest part. Um, but I would say probably the first two miles. First two miles. Yeah, the first yeah. two miles because that's where you have to know your pace. Because, like, the rest of the race, your pace will set in. Your body will tell you what speed to move at. But in the beginning, like, if you just go out and blast through and you get gassed, it's going to make the next seven miles real tough. Real tough. I was feeling good for the first four (laughs) miles. We were moving. That happened. were good. Yeah. I remember that happened a couple years ago. There was a guy who went out there, and he, like, he went out right from the gun from the start. He had somehow been in the front pod, so he must have been a good runner anyway. And he went out there, and he did the first mile, mile and a half at a dead sprint. <laughs> and everybody was talking. It was crazy. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Joey Valentino from East Judica is going to win this thing. <laughs> yeah. miles out in front. Yeah. He hit, like, the two-mile. That's not his real name. But right, yeah, yeah. He hit, like, the two-mile marker and just, like, gassed. And he came yeah. in, like, I think they literally had to put him in, like, an ambulance. Yeah. I was just, not making that mistake. You actually know a real guy named Joey Valentino. <laughs> he owns a deli in New Jersey. Shout out to Joey Valentino. He likes Roman Reigns, too. Um, Ooh. I got to say, so uh, the thing that made it just the most special event that, you know, I had been a part of was, uh, and this is kind of lame, but it's totally the community, Mm. because running nine miles alone, not that glorious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Running uh, 8.6 miles and having a local blast you in the face with a hose is a lot more fun than it sounds like. It was actually quite the relief. (laughs) That's one of the craziest things about it. I saw so many videos from social media of, like, there was somewhere along the line where there was a drum line, just like 20 dudes drum sets set up in a row and stuff. Obviously, Chris Manger with his buckets, yep. you know, the community and like the local luminaries and all like the music people that get involved with it and everything like that, yeah. that really does make it. Yes. I would imagine that's got to give you like a real boost when you're dragging. Then you see everybody out there freaking exactly. out, cheering you on like a yeah. Usain Bolt. That's got to yeah. be a nice like morale booster. I was running because I'm a sadist, but they were there because they were there just to support people, which is amazing. I need to talk about something else beside the Boilermaker. I can't talk about this race anymore. It was a good time, but I've already moved past it, as you can tell by all the pizza and soda I've yeah, eaten and drank in the yeah, last yeah. 24 hours. Domino's day of. It's been wonderful. It was yeah. tight to come home from my long day yesterday and find like a large pizza and barbecue wings. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh God, yes. So many wings. Uh, so, guys, we haven't... Uh, let's get into some politics. It's been a while since we talked politics on the show for a good reason. I've sort of... Uh, How long has it been? It's been... Maybe six to eight weeks. We really, I've specifically steered away from talking about Trump and Hillary for uh, at least the last five episodes. Can amen. Because it's going to get so much worse before it gets better. Exactly. But Uh, there's only one thing that can make you talk about Trump and Hillary again. Yeah. What is it? Well, it's Bernie Sanders. It's Bernie it's Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Of course right, it of is. course. I know. Go figure. Uh, so I read this article. The last flickering, dying hope <laughs> of this entire dumpster fire. Uh, so I read this article today on Vice on uh, their website, uh, but I'm sure they're not the only person who's covering this story. Uh, it looks like tomorrow, or I guess today, Tuesday, uh, when you're listening to this, uh, Bernie Sanders is going to appear at a Clinton event in New Hampshire, and the general consensus is that Bernie is going to endorse. Uh, Hillary 
for the presidential nomination. I don't know if you guys want to take a, a run at this clip. You look pretty gassed up for it. I would say everybody's got a price, huh? <laughs> everybody's got a price. Well, um, even even Bernie, you know, he's yeah. vying for that cabinet position. I would say. And but no, and I'm sure he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it for the influence and the good he can do his community. I mean that honestly. Sure, no, I I, it sounds like it's not honest. I mean it. Honestly. I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, uh, what can you say? It's the institution of American politics. It will not be derailed. Um, my only, it seems like he's gone out there and said a lot of things, really trying to push people in Hillary's direction. You know that he has been working with her, and he's came out. He's come out and said that their campaigns have gotten closer and closer as time's gone on, but you can't help, even though I like Bernie a lot and I, I support, like, I, I want to support his message, because he's a politician by nature, that all sounds like, uh, like pandering to me. Right, just, I, sure. I can't get past that concept that he's just saying that because at the end of the day, it's better for his political career going forward. I don't, he's in his, like, mid-70s. There is no political career for him going forward. Like, right. he's going to be dead sooner rather than That's later. That's a fair point. Not in, like, a, a callous way, but it's right. not like he's some 45-year-old dude who's yeah, got the future to consider. I think for him, he's out here, he's realizing there's some genuine concerns about the fact that, you know, during the primary, people got really divided within the Democratic Party and people who would generally tend to vote Democrat. There's a lot of people I know who are Bernie supporters who are like, I will not vote for Hillary because she's a criminal and a liar and incompetent right. and can't be trusted. And all those things are correct. Thank you. So I think that a guy like Bernie Sanders who has to come out here and be like, all right, listen to my supporters. We got to get out there and get behind Hillary because for as much as she's the goddamn devil, Trump is the hell that the devil came from. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like, you know, it's always been like the really easy, low effort journalism to write about the lesser of two evils in the presidential election. Yeah. Never, ever, ever, I think, in the history of our country that I have any knowledge of, has it ever been more clearly having to pick between the, the lesser, lesser of two, two evils. evils. Yeah. The saddest thing for me about this election, you will hear me say this on this podcast ad nauseum, as the second segment will be eaten up by politics more and more as we get closer to this election. Yeah, sadly. Yep. It's a sad, sad, sad state of affairs that this is what we have to choose from. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would literally rather put the guy who makes my coffee every morning out there as president. He would do a better job. He's a nice fella. I'm sure he's great. <laughs> Get him yeah. out there. Hey, are he they makes all the best coffees? He's got all the best people. His coffees are tremendous. It's no true. one's ever seen coffees like his. No. He's gonna make your coffee. He's gonna make the coffee shop pay for it. But only if the coffee is organic and free <laughs> for everyone to have it. That's coffee right. for everyone. A coffee for no one. That's right. Sorry. So did they unify the ticket? Uh, that's the only question I think going forward. I, I don't think it does them any good to have him as the VP because if no. something happens no, no, to no, Hillary, no, no, they no. don't want to have Sanders. I as love the that idea. They I love not. it. That's, I was hoping for unify the ticket and then maybe a post-election indictment for someone allegedly. No, no. Hillary should be cleared. Oh. I'm the, not gonna get what I want. No. Oh man. I don't. Hey, want, we'll come up with a new war crime. I don't, it won't be hard. Don't worry. No, no, we don't. We don't prosecute our politicians for war crimes. You can ask oh, Bush. That's you right. You can ask Cheney, Karl oh, Rove, Rumsfeld. You can please. ask Obama because he's doing yeah. them too. Uh, Re realistically, yeah. Hillary's people would never put uh, some Bernie in that position because just if anything, Bernie happened, would never take it. Yeah. yeah, Bernie would never take it. Yeah. Bernie Sanders knows that he can get more work done in the halls of Congress than yeah, vice president right. is basically like a figure. Yeah, look at Joe Biden. He's yeah. basically an internet meme who they trot out there every once in a while when the president can't make it to something. You know what I mean? All right, guys, we're going to have to talk about politics a little bit more going forward. Let's go to this week's interview. But before we go to this week's interview, 
This segment has been sponsored by the Adirondack Scenic Railroad. Hey, Kevin Cliff, you guys were both on the beer and wine train with us last week when we uh, last month when we taped it for Made in Utica, right? What did you guys think about it? I genuinely had a great time. I really did. It was I, awesome. I, it's I also not had just a great the magic time. internet dollars. I really enjoyed it. No, I know. Yeah, I didn't see a dollar, but I can tell you it's the only way a gentleman travels. It really, it, yeah. It that was, was your big thing on the yeah. train. You're like, I feel yeah. like such a gentleman. I do. And I was drinking wine. You had your bottle of wine. Yeah. You had your complimentary wine glass. Yes. You're like, this is how you travel. You That's right. Club master Ray Bans. The only way a gentleman travels the Adirondack Scenic Railroad. Well, it sounds like you guys had a really good time in the beer and wine train. And that's awesome because guess what? They're doing it again this Friday on July 15th at 6 p.m. So go to AdirondackRR.com and check out any information about this event and all the other events at the Adirondack Scenic Railroad. Adirondack Scenic Railroad, it's more than just a train ride. Oh, man, that was fun. That was fun, right? That was good. That was good. All right. A lot of professional. Hey, this guy. Should we warn the people that the upcoming interview is about 78 minutes long? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this week's interview uh, is a very, very close personal friend of everyone here at Maine Utica. Uh, We've known Everyone here at Utica. Everyone here at Utica, Utica, pretty much. Uh, Anthony Z. Donaldson, most people just refer to him as Z, and you probably have seen him mostly on the internet with his really successful web series, UCs with Z. It's crazy how how successful he's been with it, and I think it really goes to to speak about what an easy guy he is to talk to, and the con- and the connection he has with people, and the yeah. way he can communicate. That a lot so of so professional too. He's a really yeah. really uh, Just, professional guy. Yeah. He's very very yeah. funny, and he's yeah. got crazy stories. Uh, he's been on the show before. Now you should say, but I'm not going to tell you. I'll let you hear it from the man himself, Anthony Z. Donaldson. That's, That's the next line. That was right? pretty good. You that wasn't bad. He's going to go with that. I can run a show. <laughs> Not a boilermaker, but I can run a show. Right. I do a certain amount of editing, but whenever we do the live video, whenever there's someone taping a video and someone's doing the podcast, there's always that weird uh, crossover time that happens in I between. It's yeah, like, are we recording on this one or the other one? So I always like to start off. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> focus more on this anyways, and these kind of second yeah. nature type. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not just... Yeah, Mark Simon in the background lurking exactly. here in the studio. Um should I go in the kitchen like kind of peek around? The no, kitchen? it's good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. People are ready to go. So, there you go. Uh, I'll give, I'll give you a, a three, two, one, and three, two, one. Three, two, one. I'm not going to cut this out from the podcast. I'm just going to leave this all on as we're live here in the studio. Welcome back, Uticast Live, and uh, we're here with the newest member of the ill-named Uticast Two Timers Club. My very good friend. Anthony Z. Donaldson, welcome back to the show, Sam, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure, You must have ran out of gas. That's why you got me for the second time. (laughs) No, because I can't avoid you anywhere. Every time I look on the internet, every time I'm on Facebook, I'm on OD, I see you everywhere, uh, which is not a problem for me, my dear. It's a problem for me. You're a very handsome man. (laughs) I don't know Um, about that. Well, the joy of of having you on as as a member of the Two Timers Club, congratulations. Very exclusive club. This is great. Uh, Who else is a member? Oh, let's see. Uh, Beth and Mar and Mark Piersma. Cool. Uh... God, uh, Ryan Miller. Uh, there's definitely more, and I'm, I'm going to forget. A couple uh, friends right there. There's more right there. Uh, yeah. Phil Fart has been on twice. Phil Fart. However, as I've mentioned many times before, 
The reason Phil was on the second time is because he was supposed to provide me Hacksaw Jim Duggan, <laughs> and Hacksaw blew us off. Oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> uh, so uh, he came on to fill in for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It's actually one of my favorite episodes of the podcast. You're going to have Hacksaw come to the house? No, we had him on the phone. We were going to call him. Oh, cool. cool, and, cool. Um, and the idea was uh, that he was going to call back in the show, and I was going to record it. And I called him at 8 and said, hey, you know... Um, can we do this interview? He said, can you give me a call back in an hour, brother? I'm at dinner with my family. Uh-huh. Call back at 9.30. Phone's off. Is he I'm still like, in Glens Falls? I, I hope so. I'll, <laughs> I'll drive to Glens Falls. You know, his dad was the police yeah. chief of Glens Falls. Really? Yeah. A little fun, oh, weird man. fact. I, I'm a fountain of useless information. Officer Duggan. Officer Duggan. Well, that's the joy. So that's <laughs> the joy of having you on the show, because we've already had you on the show before to talk about um, your history with this area, about all your music stuff, yeah, about yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, so if people want to go back and listen to that story, they certainly can. But the joy of having you here now is that we can do other stuff that we don't normally get to talk about on the show. I'm very excited. So why don't I start with something similar in cop- uh, topic. We're both wrestling fans. Yes. Have you been keeping up with your wrestling? Here and there, actually. I've been busy because it's summertime, so I'm <laughs> usually not around the TV in the summertime. Have you been paying attention to Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar's going back to the UFC. Yeah, he's got that UFC fight coming and, up. And do they know his opponent's going to be? Yeah, a guy, Mark Hunt, who's Mark probably going to beat him up pretty bad. As this There's a lot of jokes that go along with that name right now, but we'll leave those uh, alone. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this question. Yes, because we're on a podcast right uh-huh. now. We're talking about wrestling. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts so do on I. my own time. I do, too. And I'm curious, because you've always been very supportive of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to podcasts on your normal basis? All the time. What, like wrestling stuff? Do you well, know? here's the thing. is I have tinnitus in my ear, uh-huh. yeah. which is yep. ringing in the ear for yeah. people that don't know. I know that um, one, brother. It's playing, being Sucks. around live music since Sucks. birth and playing live music. But the reason why I bring this up is because I can't sleep at night mm-hmm. if it's dead quiet. Oh, yeah. I can't because I got Dude. constant ringing in my ear. It's yeah. all the time. Yeah. All the time. So, um, with that being said, every night I go to bed with headphones on. And what I listen to is the Steve Austin podcast, the so Jericho podcast. I love Jericho's podcast, actually. Jericho! Because he brings in the metal, the rock stars, to other than just yeah. athletes and wrestlers and stuff like that. <laughs> See, and Austin, then, go on. No, the Austin one I do listen to all the time. Uh-huh. And I love, you know, I like wrestling and I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. But. The funniest parts of that show for me are not the interviews or him talking. It's when he has to do live reads for right. actual products. <laughs> because yes. he's the best at it. DDP like, yoga and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tell me, like, I'll tell you what, brother. I went down, just driving down in my ranch in my Ford Bronco, and I said to myself, I need to get an oil change. Napa Auto Parts. You go down in Napa Auto Parts, type Stone Cold into the box, get 10% off Napa Know How. It's like, what are you talking about? That is great. It's amazing. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. That was a great impersonation. <laughs> I spent a lot of time listening to it. But I, what I appreciate, what, the point I'm getting at is, uh, I love, one of the things that really, uh, really appreciate about podcasting in general is the ability to have a niche sort of product that can somehow appeal to a larger audience in that way. Like, there wasn't a wrestling, there wasn't that many wrestling radio shows I listened to no, growing never. up. But there were, we had to get Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the yes, magazine, and thumb through it the for, PWI. for weeks until the next one came out. Yes, the PWI 500. I used to go to the groceries, I used to go to Shenatry's and sit 
in the magazine aisle of my grandparents' shop and read all the old wrestling magazines. I go to the back and see all the top ten from all the different, <laughs> different territories. Stuff, no. you know? Oh man, all the non-wrestling fans are so confused at what we're talking about right now. They have no idea what we're getting at. But to answer your question, I still check in from here to there. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, you know, I know what's going. I don't. I know you guys aren't a fan of Dean Ambrose, but I love Dean Ambrose. Actually, WWE I, heavyweight champion. Dean Ambrose. Yeah, and from what I think they're going to do is probably the, the belt's going to go three ways for a while between yeah. Roman Reigns and. and Seth Rollins and Dean, I, they're they're using the Shield as their top guns. Seth Rollins is, is so so good. Yes, so good. for real. And, you know, and everybody gives Roman Reigns. The only thing about Roman Reigns, he needs his mic skills to improve. He's got a punchable face. But he's a great wrestler, dude. He's he's a, he's a sick athlete, and nobody gives him any credit for being an athlete. Well, there's a lot of parallels between professional wrestling and. And performing of live music, uh, I think about your band Chokeslam a lot that we we talk a lot about. <laughs> but like the performance aspect of wrestling and the oh. performance aspect of of music are not all that dissimilar. Like I know a lot of bands who are uber uber talented that I just don't like. Roman Reigns is basically like the Eagles for me. Like, like you know what I mean? Like he's he's super talented. Everyone sees like I, everyone gets it, but like I don't. I just don't care. So you say the Eagles, and I say he's the Godsmack to me. <laughs> there you go. See, there you go. Yeah. You know, no, I wouldn't even give. I I wouldn't even. I won't talk trash about Godsmack for me. Would be like. Who's like the lowest level wrestler there is? Like uh, the Brooklyn Brawler. Steve Lombardi, I love him, dude. Uh, you're a big music guy. What are you listening to these days? You're always in performing in bands, but when you're when you're at home, what are you listening to? Nothing music? at all. Nothing. You're listening. To music? Honestly, bro, I, the only time I really listen to music when I'm around the house is when I'm cleaning the house, yeah. or if I'm washing dishes, or taking a shower, or something. It's about the only time I really listen, or at the gym. I go to the gym four four nights, four days a week, mm-hmm. but. Um, like, if I'm at the gym and I'm on the treadmill, I'll put on, like, Humphreys McGee radio because three songs and boom, my workout's done. <laughs> That's a fair point. And then when I go to lift weights, I'll put on, like, a Slipknot radio or a Pantera radio to get me all pumped up. But as far as, like, new bands going, you know what I really love is Lettuce. I love that band, Lettuce. Mm-hmm. A good funk band. Yeah. Um, you know, my friend Sam Kinniger actually started the band. Unfortunately, he's no longer in the band now. Um but uh, I, I definitely love lettuce. Yeah. And, you know, I like a lot of the jam music, but I also like a lot of, you know, metal and, and rock. And so yeah. it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Yeah. What it really is yeah. is what I'm listening to. Well, I guess what I'm curious to ask is, uh, you know, because I know what you do like, and we've talked a lot about music in the past, I'm curious what your feelings are on, like, popular music. You I hate it. I don't listen to anything. You don't listen to anything? Like, you don't have I any think the worst music. thing that ever happened to music was the auto-tune. <laughs> That's not that's not fair. I think it's the worst thing that ever happened to music. Um it, there's no substance, there's no heart, there's no soul in today's music. Mm. You know, there's a couple new bands that are out there that, you know, but I'm talking about Rick like, nowadays the electronic thing is totally taken over. Nothing against the DJs. Yeah. I know I get some backlash. Some of the DJs, oh what, what's up, G? You got no love for us? It's not that I don't have any love for you. I just it doesn't it doesn't hit me. Um, you know, it doesn't no, no, I tickle my soul. I you know that. what I mean? I need bass, drums, and a guitar to really tickle my fancy. You I'm know going, what I mean? I'm going to see live DJs perform who are top-level DJs. Guys I like, have, too. I've seen, like, your Flying Lotuses of the world, uh, Hudson Mohawk. Like, these guys who are really, really excellent, who are killing it in their craft, Clams Casino, guys who are doing, like, uh, mixing and stuff. It's They're super talented, but it's not great to watch. It's right. a guy standing behind a computer. At the end of the day, it's not going to be as exciting as... Four or five people performing live instruments. Yes. Which is, and again, and, and hip hop music is almost the same way. Uh, I saw Kendrick Lamar not too long He's ago. He's about the only artist out there that I really do like. He plays with a live band. When I love see him play. It's a live show. It's awesome. Uh-huh. It doesn't have that, you know, I, I saw in New York City, uh, take a shot, I saw Cameron in New York City one time. 
I always liked Cameron, but Cameron was just singing over uh, basically a karaoke track. Right. It doesn't it doesn't hit the same way. It's really there's some there's an aspect of live music and that warmth and that actual vibration of sound that hits you from people playing. I don't know. I don't know. I will say this though: when you do go to an EDM show, it's really not about the guy playing on his iPad. No. It's more about the light show. Oh yeah, and I've seen some killer light shows mm-hmm. with a lot of these mm-hmm. EDM artists. Mm-hmm. I you know I work with creative concerts a lot, and uh, we've done a shit ton of uh, EDM shows, and the whole production that comes along with these things are phenomenal. They're yeah. top notch. They really are, and the bass is ear piercing and stuff like yes, that. You yes. know, the music doesn't really get me. You know, it doesn't. But as far as like you know, a visual aspect, yeah, phenomenal. I was walking back. Uh, I went to Bonnaroo in 2012, mm-hmm. and uh, Skrillex was playing that year. Now, I did not watch Skrillex perform because it's not, it just, I, I don't care. It's not for me. There was 10 other bands playing at the same time. Right. You wanted it, to see it's it. also 1.30 in the morning. That's the problem with Bonnaroo, though. Not to interrupt you, though, but there's too many choices. Too much. Oh, it's too much. You it's know, way too much. I like it when it alternates. So you, one stage is done, you go over to the next stage. Yeah. You know, something like that. Very simple. But but what what I, no, no, it's a fair point. I want to get back to that in a second. But what I remember about Skrillex was walking past his tent while it was going on. We were walking back to the, the campsites, and Skrillex is performing, and there's a mass of people in front of him, and I stood far, far back and watched it from a distance, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it doesn't appeal to me. This music hurts my brain, but, like, looking at that crowd, those people are really feeling it. Like, there's, they're, they're getting something out of this that maybe I just don't, I don't feel it. Well, you were not Molly. <laughs> you know, like, um, are you a festival guy in general? You go to festivals? Man, I was a huge festival guy, and then I started working all of them. And then yeah. <laughs> now, you know, um, yes. To answer your question, yes, I, I loved in the '90s. That's all we did was yeah, the festivals. festivals, but it was a different scene back then. Hmm. You know, uh, in the '90s, it was more mom and pop type thing. You know, and now the corporations have taken over. AEG, Live Nation, Bonnaroo, like things like that. Yeah. Like I said before, you know, you got too many choices where you're at these things, and that's oh, yeah. too much. I can't camp with a hundred thousand people, but I can camp with maybe five thousand people. You know, it's yeah. the big crowds that really make me, you know, um, uneasy. Yeah, there's something about Bonnaroo specifically because look, if you go to a Lollapalooza or a festival like a Coachella, right? It's not really the same. Bonnaroo, they have campsites. You're supposed to camp there. Mm-hmm. It's really three or four days of attrition. You're sleeping in that tent. It's 100 degrees oh, in the morning at 8 o'clock. Yeah. You're not sleeping because... Yeah, you pay $2 to take a shower. Oh, my God. And then $8... For three minutes. It's $2 for a cold shower. And then, like, $10 if you want a hot shower. <laughs> of course, I can't imagine why you want a hot shower. it's only for three minutes. You know, you're on a timer. I know. We did that thing where we just used, like, baby wipes and aloe. And yeah, just, right, and just right. prayed. And I, didn't, yeah. and I didn't touch or talk to anybody for three days. That's just stay away from me. Just stay far away. Gold Bond and Baby Wipes. Uh, you were well, that's be a good name for your next album. Cool. <laughs> I'm not a jam band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so let's. Uh, so speaking of festivals, I saw you doing a lot of work at this Rock and Derby event. Yep. Uh, Scattergook. Yes. Yeah, so what's that all about? I had no idea what that was. Is it like something you were involved in personally, or you just got? You know, a friend of mine, a great friend of mine, Danny Taylor, uh, mm-hmm. who runs the Palace Theater in Albany. Mm-hmm. He's the mm-hmm. GM over there. Cool. Um, he'll have gigs for me from time to time. He'll call me up, be like, hey, do you want to be a runner for this? Or, hey, do you want to do this? Um, in fact, him and I, Friday, are going out to work for Tedeschi Trucks in Rochester. Mm. But anyways, um, he called me up for that. He was like, hey, I got a gig for you if you, if you want to do it. 
great, sign me up. So I go out there and stuff, and it's all these metal bands. We had Shinedown and Megadeth and sure. Anthrax and uh, Sebastian Bach was there. And my sister would have been so happy. Taylor Hawkins was there with his other band, Chevy Metal. Yeah. And, and um, who else was there? Um, all That Remains. There's, uh, you name it, was there. So my job for that was runner coordinator. Mm. And so I was you know, coordinating the runners to go... Do the go pick up uh, baby wipes for Lamb of God and go do this for <laughs> Anthrax and go buy orange juice for for uh, Megadeth or you know so I just like the idea that Megadeth wants orange juice like oh I like God. the idea Megadeth wants it. a lot of things you'd be surprised okay <laughs> real quick funny story I actually had to drive all these bands to the media tent now in the media tent and this. I really don't want to talk shit about the organizers, but they they had it set up pretty chintzy where the media tent was in a horse barn uh-huh. with like sawdust <laughs> and hay and cow shit in this barn, and here we are bringing millionaires into this horse barn, you know, and it, like Scott Ian refused to go in there from Anthrax, <laughs> right? So I have to drive Dave Mustaine and, and Megadeth to the media tent, and so now I'm driving, I'm in a six-passenger golf cart with zero battery, I'm going two miles an hour, and Mustaine thinks I'm driving too fast because I'm six feet from this bus. <laughs> hey, you're going to kill us, you're going to kill us. I'm like, dude, I would never kill you. Are you kidding me? You're Dave Mustaine. You think I'm going to have your life in danger? No and way. He's like, you're going to kill us, you're too close to that, you're driving too fast. There's no way I'm driving too fast. I'm going three miles an hour. <laughs> so finally, he gets out of the car, and he comes over, and he actually apologized to me. He was like, sorry, dude, I'm just having a bad day, but I did think you were going too fast. I'm like, Dave, I would never endanger your life. Never, ever. Are you kidding me? I want to be like Wayne's World. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You know what I mean? This is Dave Mustaine we're talking about. But he actually apologized to me. And it was super cool. Then after that, I brought him to the demolition derby, and we watched these cars smash into each other, and it was like the most metal day of my life. <laughs> one of the things I always appreciate about hanging out with you is um, is even when we're not doing podcasts, you're one of those people, like a couple people I know, who will tell some story like it's no big deal. Like, oh, yeah, just Dave Mustaine, like Rock and Roll Famer for Megadeth. No big deal. He thought I was driving too fast. Like, you have like, a lot of stories like that. Yeah. And I think that. And I think, I've been blessed, uh, for sure. Well, I've, I've I had think, a great life. And I think that ties a lot into the recent success you've had with the UC's with Z Show. Um, I want to start here. Uh, I, there was an article in the OD about you this week, uh, written by a uh, good friend of the pod, Phil Nano. Yeah. Uh, friend of mine as well. Yeah. Good guy. He's a really, really good dude. Yeah. Um, but this UCs with Z thing, I, I did a little bit of research on this going back before you came here, and I want to start off with just a, a prerequisite, right? Okay. So a couple weeks back, I started a um, a Twitter handle for our our new sports show for the lads, right? And whenever you're starting a new Twitter handle or a new thing, it's always that weird process of you have to add people and you're trying to get followers to come to it. Uh, so I had spent about a day doing it, and I was tweeting during the wrestling event, and I was tweeting. Was, no, sorry, it was during the Argentina USA soccer game, and I put out a tweet that was just. You ever seen movie Spaceballs? Yeah, of course. Okay, it's just Dark Helmet swinging his lightsaber underneath Lone Star's arm while Lone Star's holding his hand out and holding his head. And I just wrote live look in from the USA Argentina soccer game, and I put that GIF of those of that happening. And I had no followers, but all of a sudden it like blew up. For some reason, I have no concept why, because we didn't have any followers, but it blew up and got like 70, 80, 90 tweets, like retweets and shares in like a couple minutes. And everybody was from Argentina. And everyone's from Argentina, <laughs> uh, watches I mean, like, um, but it was the first time in a long time that I've had like a moment where I was like, huh, that's weird. It's kind of strange. And I think about it because every time I watch your UCs with Z episodes, I'm always flabbergasted by how quickly you get followers onto it and I think a lot of it comes with the connections you have with the people who've been on the show and your ability to talk with these people which is something that not everyone can do so you know 
continually great work to do with that. I just wanted to let you know. Thank you, man. Um, just very quickly, you've had Al You Schmier. say some nice things. I am an <laughs> earnest man. I try and be earnest most of the time. Uh, you've had Al Schneer on the show from Mo. Uh, you've had uh, Jerry Krause. You've had Fred Matt from The Brewery. You've had uh, Vinny Amico from Mo. Uh, you're actually just coming here from uh, Brenda Piscopo from United Way. Yep. First off, how are you? How are you bringing in people? Like, how are you, are you using connections you personally you know, or call them up personally and be like, "Hey, come do my show." And is that just years of you just knowing people? Yeah, you know, you mentioned Al and Vinny. Like, these are guys. I've been friends with these guys for fifteen years. You know, mm-hmm. if not longer. Um, Brenda and I went to high school together. You know, it, it just it pretty much to me what you see is with Z is just me reaching out to friends. Yeah. And, and I'm fortunate enough that a lot of my friends are local celebrities, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, just, and they have a great story, and that's the whole basis on it. Like, let them tell their story. Let them promote what they got going on. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what their childhood was like growing up. You know, I want to hear these things, yeah. you know, and, and it's just a great platform. And, and I am flabbergasted by the amount of support that I've had for the it's... last, you know, couple months. I mean, this pretty much got off the ground in February. Yeah. And here we are in the first week of July – and How many episodes do you add now? You know what? I don't even know. It's like 15. 15 or 15 yeah, maybe like 15 episodes. And the Facebook page has taken off. And I mean, it's just in two days when I had Fred, Matt, from the, yeah. day, the day of when they liked to sign up, the Utica Club sign. And then the next day with Vinny and Miko, I had 10,000 views in just those two shows. It blows me away, man. I mean, I would think just my mom and my aunt in Vegas would be checking it out. But it's gone far beyond well, that. And it... And it, it it's really cool and it's humbling, man. It's well, it's super nice cool. Too. What's nice about the you know Al Schneer and Vinny, you know, they're your friends, but also you got to think from the outside perspective. Mo in general is a huge band yeah, right. that draws people like crazy. Like they do. even if you can bring maybe five percent of the people who came in there because it's the Mo guy to watching you because they like the way you do work. That's a success, man. Yeah, like for that's sure. how you build content. Like, people are going to come on to hear what Fred Matt has to say, and they're going to stay because of the way you present the interviews to them in an entertaining and fascinating way. Thanks, uh, well, it's... <laughs> I actually got to take lessons from you. You actually take notes. I, I, I don't prepare for anything, bro. I, I just go in on the fly. I think of a couple things prior to the show. I, like, today, I, I thought of maybe two or three questions to ask her, like, when I was taking a shower this morning. But other than that, I don't prepare for it at all. My notes are I just kind of just sit there, drink, and talk to my buddies. It's the way I look at it. You know? I have to take notes because if I – I'll remember something that I want to ask. Like, earlier today, I was doing the dishes in the house, and I was like, oh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, about wrestling. Let me write this down before I forget so I can think of how I'm going to plot this out. I have – my, I'm scatterbrained otherwise. Oh, I'll I forget too. I will forget. forget. Uh, even going back to old family on the Wookiee shows, my notes were meticulous. I've had to cut back. I used to, it used to be one, you know, for the listeners out there, one page of uh, podcast takes up about one page of notes. Pretty straightforward. Back in the day with the sports podcast, I was using six or seven pages of a notebook for wow. one because you're doing stats, you're doing write ups <laughs> for over unders. You know, there's a lot of research to do for that. Yeah. So I've had you want to have the numbers right too if you're doing a, a sports thing. Right. Of course, you gotta have you gotta know what the hell you're talking. So about. over the years, I've attempted to sort of pull it back sometimes because one question can last a long time. I've only really wrote down about four questions here, and we've already gone 20 minutes, and I haven't even gotten to the stuff we wanted to get to at the end yet. That's because so. I'm a blabbermouth. I am too. <laughs> it's um, an Italian thing. Hey, eh? <laughs> uh, well, I do want to ask you this: with the success of UC's with Z, it's been going really well for you, and I'm I'm sure it's going to keep going forward. Um, what's the status on Street Rock Mafia stuff? Have you guys been playing? I haven't I haven't seen you guys doing as much lately. I don't know if it's just uh... well, it's summertime. I'm I'm generally busy with yeah. you know working and stuff. Um, yeah. It's a little bit on a hiatus right mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. That I can't really answer. 
But you know, I, I really can't answer that question because, honestly, I don't know. Yes, I want Street Rock to last forever and stuff, mm-hmm. but, you know, things things happen, and, yeah. and life gets in the way and stuff. No, like of course. That. And it's not just me. I mean, everybody's busy in the band. Oh, know? yeah. AO's got three it's... kids with one on the way and, and you know, wants to start this production company and, and wants to move, actually. And mm-hmm. and then you got Mandry, who's playing in the Billy Joel thing, Mandry's. which is great. In fact, you make sure you go check out that Billy Joel thing this Saturday at the yeah. Stanley. I'm going to throw you a plug, yeah. Mandry, because I think it's cool, man. And man Andrew gets to play the odd and Stanley Theater all within one year. That's that's an accomplishment in my Andrew, book. You Chris, know, Christopher Mandry, who's been on the show many times, is is going to be in the uh, the CNY Comedy Cup coming up uh, yep. again this year. Um, that's late August. If you don't if you don't know much about Chris, Chris is certainly one of the most talented drummers I've ever met. Yeah. and I think it's sort of a shame that his drumming is sometimes not the first thing people talk about because he is so talented. Such a really, really talented guy. Putting over Chris really hard here on the podcast. Chris is a renaissance man. He is a renaissance He's man. very good at what he does. We played at the Made in Utica golf tournament, and he hit nine putts in a row for us. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even have to putt because Mandry was going first. Like, he's super talented <laughs> at what he does. And I love the kid to death, man. He's like my little brother, yeah. and we have such a great relationship. And I will continue, no matter what happens with Street Rock, Chris and I will always be writing music together. Awesome. Always, always. I can probably pretty much guarantee that. You can follow Chris Mandry on Twitter at CR Mandry. Cramandry. Great Twitter name. We call him Mr. for Crandry. Mr. for Crandry. So um, I got a couple questions, a couple non sequitur questions here to ask you, and we'll close out this way. Yeah, man. Uh, Let's start with this one. What was the first concert you ever went to? (laughs) I just talked about that actually (laughs) in my podcast. With or without my parents? Without your parents. Without my parents was Cinderella Winger and the Bullet Boys Woo, in 1988. I think it was May of 88 <laughs> at uh, the Utica Auditorium. Yeah. And, um, and my buddy and I, Mike LaPola, mm-hmm. uh, went to that show. And, man, I had it been 88. It was before August. So, yeah, I was like 12 or 13 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, that was I still can <laughs> remember that show to this day. Of, like what was Cinderella brought this huge piano from – from the ceiling down and they did you know don't know what you got till it's gone and and it was just an epic show it really was and for my 12 13 year old self to be at that show really inspired me to get into the music and and playing and whatnot now i'm curious what was your first show with your parents kiss 1984 my dad brought me and uh he had he was friends with a roadie actually of of kiss (laughs) and uh my dad was a touring musician as well. He did more of like the wedding circuit and stuff like that. And, but uh, he was friends with a Kiss roadie, and actually they came. And I was nine years old at the time, and, and it was after the makeup. So yeah, after yeah, yeah it was after um, the makeup. So ugly Gene Simmons, but I didn't so get to meet any that. of them or whatever. And but it was super cool to be. I mean that would, that again sparked me for the love of music as well. Can I tell you that post makeup Kiss? Whenever I'm in a bad mood and I need something to kind of break me out of a funk, go to YouTube and watch the video for Lick It Up by Kiss <laughs> post-makeup. It's so outrageous that you cannot help but laugh. It sometimes will break me out of a bad mood. I'll be like, you know what? Lick It Up will help me out in this scenario. Uh, as, as a kid, I mean, Kiss was my first superheroes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I grew up and I was born in 75. And, like, by the time I'm five, six years old, Kiss still had the makeup on. Yeah. You know, and... I was I had the posters on my wall and wanted to be them for Halloween and yeah. stuff. So Kiss was my first band that I was obsessed with, if you will. And they took the makeup off and no one wanted to be them for they Halloween. Took the makeup anymore. off and they looked like a bunch of broken down showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, similarly, what was your first car? 
did you drive it to the <laughs> No, no, no. Actually, that was after. My first car was a 1986 Volkswagen Rabbit yeah. with a diesel engine. And, <laughs> and it had a hole in the gas tank, so I couldn't <laughs> fill it up all the way. So I could only fill it halfway when I needed to get gas. So now, I lived in Las Vegas at the time. This is when I was living in Vegas. And that car blew up on me in the middle of August on 120-degree heat in the middle of 95 in rush hour busted down blew an engine at august 120 degrees backed up traffic for miles for my little shit box volkswagen rabbit i had to walk five miles to my aunt and uncle's bakery from the highway to get a tow truck and whatever and uh yeah that that was my first car <laughs> we're, we're, we're very clearly going to go along so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna share this story with you yes uh, so um, we, when I was playing in the Blueprint uh-huh. and Coercion, wherever we were at the time, we thought it was a good idea. Before we bought our van, we were going to buy a bus. We bought a broke-down uh, school bus. It was a short bus. Uh, and me and uh, Kevin and Steve Anderson and, and Jay and Nick, uh, we ripped all the seats out of it, and we built this big U-shaped seat in the back where we could all lounge and our gear fit in the back. Oh, cool. And we just left it in Steve's driveway and got drunk in it constantly. We didn't actually do the take it anywhere. But it cost us like $600. We were like, this is going to be it. This is going to be our tour van bus. Yep, yep. It's going to be awesome. And it was great. So we took it out to the first show in Rochester. We were driving out to the Bug Jar in Rochester to play a show. And we got on the roll, and we got on the freeway. And the minute we got to Rome, the engine exploded. Oh. On the throughway, and like the, they want to say a rod went through the engine. And it was it was a wreck, and they couldn't and they couldn't tow us because we were on the throughway. Right, it was a bus, and that's so they cool. so they had to drag, they had to drag the flatbed out and put the the bus on the flatbed, and then someone had to drive with the the guy like the tow truck guy right. and and me being Sam Bite the Bullet Family oh, that was my nickname back in the day I was the one who had to sit in the <laughs> weird trucker car with the guy and he had like barney sheets on his on his cab in the back and it made me really uncomfortable and I was like I don't I don't want to be here anymore but yeah then we bought an actual van after that and it seemed like the way to go did you make the gig or no Oh, we did. Canceled? We did no we did you did we did uh, we did so um, always must go on Nick's, Nick's dad Put us in the back of his Ford F one fifty and drove us up there. Shout out to Nick's dad. Wow, no kidding. Uh, all right, so let's get to one more question. I got a couple more here for you. Yeah, go ahead, man. Um, besides, uh, besides music and professional wrestling, uh, <laughs> what are the things that you passionate about in your personal life? Masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Excellent. <laughs> Um, Besides music and well, um, well, sports of course. I'm sports, a huge baseball fan. Baseball fan. Hockey as well. Mm-hmm. I love baseball. I I'm a fantasy baseball addict actually. Really? Yeah. And as a matter Why of fact, are you not in my fantasy baseball league? I don't know, but I will be if you want me to. Oh, we're we've had this league going on for 13 years yeah, since nice. the EC, and it's actually called the Electric Company League still. Really? And um, ah. dude, I'm 850 points back, and it's not even the second half of the season because the top guy, who's my brother, and I love the kid to death, Eric Leo, but he's got Kershaw. Mm-hmm. He's got Matt Scherzer, Johnny Cueto, and Madison Bumgarner as his pitchers. He's got four of the top five top pitchers, and nobody can touch this kid. I've already given up, and it's not even the second half of the season. Me and, oh yeah, me and Justin Parkinson are buried in 11 and 12 in our 12 person. Yeah. Day. I've been the commissioner of this league for 10 years, mm-hmm. and I stink because I don't think <laughs> shoot baseball anymore, and I don't know... 
I just draft players whose name I remember still. I'm like, yeah, Alex Rodriguez. That seems like someone who's good now. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's good anymore. Yeah, but sports definitely. And I love hockey. Hockey, A yeah. diehard Ranger fan. Love it. Love the Rangers. Love the Comets as well. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'll have to get you on a, a sports podcast to come talk hockey. We'll I, I would love hockey. to, man. Hockey is my thing, man. I grew up playing hockey, mm. you know, and... Uh, Hmm. It's it's huge, man. Go Rangers. Hmm. Uh, and how do you take your coffee in the morning? Actually, I drink yerba mate. What is that? Yerba mate is a tea from Peru. Ah. I've actually I drink coffee here and there. If there's no yerba, then I'll get a cof- cup of coffee. And I even have like the Keurig at home and stuff. Um, but yerba mate, it's a root from Peru, yeah. and it's a tea. Huh. And you you get it. My buddy actually sends me a QP of it. You know, it's kind of weird because you open it up and it looks like bad weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's great. Yeah. It, it keeps you focused in energy. It gives you a ton of energy and stuff. And it's natural. I can't imagine that showing up at well, like, my mom's right house. Like, Honey, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> it's tea. Yeah. Leave it in the back. Don't touch it. It looks like stems and seeds. It really does. But you can get it here at Dominico's. Yeah. Um, I get it. There at Dominico's, and I get it at Mojo's. And did you quit coffee at a certain point in time? Or did you just well, like, you know, I was living on coffee for so long. Drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, for so long. And I will drink it. You know, it's not that I don't drink it and gave it up. I definitely like my favorite. I like good coffee, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. Utica Coffee Roaster, awesome. Oh, they're great. We had Frank on not too long, but he's a good guy. And, and Heather, I grew up with Heather. Yeah. I've known Heather forever. Her parents still live behind yeah. me. So, but anyways, um, I love coffee. And if I were to take it, I like cream and sugar. I like it, you Thank know, double-double, like they say at Tim Hortons. Uh, see, congratulations. You are now the first person Dude. in the history of the podcast to ever break a half an hour for an interview. Oh. Congratulations. <laughs> the longest interview we've ever done I'm on the show. Well. But, dude, let me congratulate you on what a job well done you're doing, too. Oh. I mean, you're sitting here... You know, telling me what a job I'm doing. Dude, you're doing great, too, man. Like, this whole Made in Utica thing that's been going on, it's a beautiful thing. And it's something that has never happened in Utica. And it's something that Utica was desperately needing. And now that it's here, and we are realizing what a great thing it is. And I think more people should jump on the bandwagon with us, man. Because what we're doing is positive, and it's for the community. And, and it's just a beautiful thing. And, and with the Uticast and the UCs with Z, and if we could get some more programming going on, we've we've got something really good. Yeah. And it's so cool that people are jumping on board with us. You know, and, I'm, and I'm happy. And I think it speaks to a lot of things. Um, it speaks to a lot of the individual effort that all the small parts of this company do. Right. Right. Like, you know, for as much as, you know, you're on the show and I'm on the podcast and our voices are very out there for every person to hear every week, there's a lot of other work that goes on behind the scenes that isn't as in the forefront, and that's also important, and I don't know if that gets openly talked about as much. Right. It is certainly a labor of love, because if we didn't love it, we would not do it. A lot of us have full-time jobs. We don't have to do it. We do it because it's important to us. And it's important to us. But shout-out to, like, Mark and Jill and Justin and Katie and Kevin and and you for doing this. I mean, what you guys are doing, it's amazing. And Carrie... And you guys are carrying the torch and bringing Utica pretty much into the future and making it a hip, cool place to wow. be in, for sure. And you guys are definitely in the forefront for that. Well, we got to keep the young people paying attention because I am becoming less and hip, less less and less hip every day. <laughs> me too. I'm so, I used to be so cool, and I got nothing anymore. Yeah, me like too. referencing movies in the 80s, no one knows about it. Nobody knows nothing. Well, ever, funny story for you. One day I was hooking up with this chick, this is years ago, 10 years ago, and she was young, and she comes in there, and I'm watching Return of the Jedi, and she comes in. And she's like, what is this? Seriously? 
get the hell out of my house right now. <laughs> get out. I guess my favorite movie is Jaws, and I had a girl once tell me that she'd never seen Jaws before. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to stop yeah. here. We're gonna have to. This relationship ends right now. <laughs> my friend, it's always a pleasure to have Thank you. Thank you so much, Sam. Oh, Let me be on and talk anytime about you shit. want. Anytime you want to talk about wrestling or hockey or music or anything you want, you're always welcome on the show. Thank you, brother. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a minute for our podcast listeners and for the video people you're just watching me talk to. Donaldson. I love when Z comes over. I always get so excited talking to Z. Wait, what? Is the podcast still going on? Yeah, I know. The world's <laughs> longest podcast. How long have we been here? It's been... How long have I been? Sam... I gotta go. Wow. Yeah. It's I gotta not... shave again. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We're not We're not in the first starting block podcast next year. No. No. This is... Uh, this is gonna be a long one. So this segment, we're gonna only cover two, uh, two topics. Uh... Both of them are a little off kilter, so let's start with uh, let's start with the first one. And I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna prerequisite this with something about me. Uh, what a surprise! So I started a brand new job today. Uh, yeah, I went to work this morning at my brand new job. Woo! Yeah, how about it? You talking about it? Uh, well, sorta. Okay. I'm I'm working uh, for one of the local colleges. There's enough of them around. You'll figure it out eventually when I when I get some more serious uh, action going on. Uh, but the general the general idea of what I'm getting at is I spent most of the day at the college campus working with my boss and a lot of uh, young high school and college age students at the campus all day long. And I kept walking around and noticing everyone was on their phones, stopping randomly, looking around at stuff, and then we'll continue walking. <laughs> this went on all day long. Packs of people gathered around monuments and building entrances, yeah. standing together in circles, not talking to each other, looking at their phone. And it wasn't until the middle of the day when I said, oh, they're all playing Pokemon Go. That's right. This is this is what our world has come to, is Pokemon Go. It's 1998, all over again. Blink-182 has a brand new album, and people are playing Pokemon. I swear to God, it's a strange time to be alive. I too read Deadspin. <laughs> uh, it is. It's it, it's crazy because I think this game only came out like last week. Mm-hmm. It's like and it's. I haven't seen things you know in today's viral culture. Things go real fast and sweep, take the world by storm. This is really fast. Like this shit is everywhere. Everywhere you go, everywhere you look. Well, yeah. it's free. That's a big part of the the appeal to it. Is theoretically, it's free, and we can get into yeah. But those so, data overages uh, aren't free. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So what's the theoretically? How are they making their money? It's still in beta, right? Well, it's so, in beta. Right. Uh, and what you're talking about here inherently is what's referred to for internet gaming, for phone gaming, as pay to play gaming, right? Uh, a lot of a lot of apps and games for phones now are like this, where the games themselves are free, but you have a limited amount of time to play the game every day unless you would like to spend real money on right, it. Right, right. Um, which is sort of flies in the face of people like me who played video games growing up, which is like you pay an exorbitant amount of money for okay. this game, front, yeah. and then it lasts for however long, right? right? Um, Pokemon Go is kind of a brilliant idea in to a certain extent. I downloaded the game two days ago. Yeah. And I've been playing it for two days to try and get an idea of what what really it's all about. Um, for those of you who have never played it, and if you, there's a lot of articles, it's basically Google Maps on your phone. 
uh, and you can catch Pokemon around your neighborhood. So if I turn the game on, there's a little character who's me, and it shows me a map. If I see a Pokemon up the street, I have to go outside and walk up the street to where it is and then catch it. That's the game. You have to walk around to real monuments. This is causing, like, big problems for people. It's causing car accidents. It's causing kids to walk into the streets. People have gotten robbed. You were talking yeah, about this story, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So they'll lure you into, a, like, a, a strange location and then know you're there so they can come rob you. Yep, yeah. that's a good one. It's, it's alternately the most, like intelligent fascinating video game concept i've seen in a really long time and also the most horrifying it's yeah for definitely sure. there's a lot of implications for it being horrifying right I think. yeah yeah uh, it's just funny to me like we there's a lot of times that things go viral right to a certain extent but this has the potential to be like a, like the biggest money-making this, thing nintendo's done in 20 years Ninten yeah. nintendo's stock has jumped 25 percent since last week really uh pokemon go now has more users on android than twitter yeah, Whoa, that's in a week. Crazy. In a week, it's um, and there's you know there's a lot of different stuff. The fact that you said that like it's nice that it's getting people out of the house, they're walking around. That's positive <laughs> for especially like, a lot of gamers stuff like that. It's helpful. No, no, I, I understand. Yeah, I see some... that dismissive motion, but yeah, like yeah. it gets a lot of people who don't go out and do anything out <clears throat> doing things, which yeah. is positive. Um, but the fact that people aren't interacting, people aren't talking to each other, the fact that. There's a lot of really sketchy permissions that you have to grant it on your yeah, phone. Great. Yeah, yeah. And like the fact that I, I read an article, another it was a Deadspin article today talking about how like it was a tongue-in-cheek article, but it had some really spot-on things. Mm -hmm. where like you know, so Google Maps basically mapped out the entire world just by driving cars around. Now they're getting users to map, map out, out right. the inside of buildings right. with this game. And the yeah. guy who's like the CEO of the company used to work for the CIA and like all this different stuff that. It's probably a little tinfoil hatty, but I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know what? If that's what they're doing, it's genius. I always line my hats with tinfoil. I just can't... That's basically how I walk around Good. in the world. Yeah. I just can't uh. wait until next month when we see the inevitable news story about all these 17-year-old kids out there playing this game on their parents' plan, crushing 30 gigs of oh, data. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, for it's sure. It's coming. Um, uh, the car accidents, I think, is going to be uh, a, an issue mm. that we will hear about soon enough. Yeah. Over I'll, under six months on Pokemon Go being a thing. Um, in the current state that it's in right now, I've, I've been playing it for about two days, and I've tried a couple different... Oh, so you're actually actively out here playing it. Yeah, you can pull it up on my phone oh, right yeah. now. The I, man's got it. I've played it. Uh, it's... I've done a little bit of experimenting. The data thing is real, Are right? there any Pokemon around here? There's tons oh, of sure. Pokemon in the room. Are they're, they here with us right they now? They might be. <laughs> um, <laughs> told you to put your tinfoil on. There's definitely, like, there's gonna be problems. The data thing is real. Inherently, the game wants you to walk... So let's say, uh, here's a small thing from the game. You get a Pokemon egg, right? You put the egg in an incubator. How do you incubate the egg? You have to walk five kilometers, okay? The amount of time it takes you to walk five kilometers is like two gigs of data if you're right. not in Wi-Fi. Like, how, right. how does that even possibly work? And you can't work? be in Wi-Fi because this game is predicated on you leaving Wi-Fi. Right. You can be on Wi-Fi, but inherently walking around is going it's, it's to go course. in and that's out. What, you mean? Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. You can't be playing the game off any internet connection. It's not like you can go out and not be on Wi-Fi and just play the game normally at all. There's no alternate offline mode. You have to be online. Right, right. And I don't even know if there's any phone companies that offer unlimited data anymore. Are there? I think like, I got some, it. some of those uh, weird like T-Mobile and Sprint ones do, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you're better off like strapping a brick to the side See of your See me on that Pokemon. The closest thing I've ever seen to this is uh, mm -hmm. when I was living in New York City, take a shot, um, people were playing Candy Crush. 
to an extent on the subway where you would look down the subway and everyone was on their phone playing Candy Crush. Yeah, but there have been there have been a lot of games like the Candy Crush, Temple Run, Angry Birds, Words a lot of different friends. other yes. games, Words, Words with Friends, friends different stuff. Huge, yeah. But this is the first one, and I think it's because it gets everybody. I, I've never seen anything be like seven days in and be. I mean, this is you go to any anywhere, any I don't website, know if any news more, site. Though. You know what I mean? Like people are capturing on their commute or like where they walk around, but yeah. how much are they actually like going out and being like? Dude, go, go, go online. Go, go online. Look up videos from Central Park. Today. Really? It's go really, look at videos from Central yeah. Park today. It's unreal. Um, I'm gonna go under six months. By the way, probably. Uh, yeah. The campus that I was at today. Yeah. It really did sort of look like Brave New World. Yeah. It really was just like. J- People engrossed by tech. The teachers were talking about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, people yeah, were bringing yeah. it up in That's class. That's what I'm saying. It's everywhere. It's, yeah. everywhere. it's every, everywhere. I'll tell you, everywhere. It's, it's amazing. And I'm no one to belittle games or, like, critique how no, someone sure. is spending their time. I think? am so, so guilty about playing games way too much. Hmm. Um, I still don't love it. Because I'm aging, and I think yeah. that's it. Well, no. It's like I'm just getting older. Here's, I had this conversation with somebody earlier today. We're all the same age, right? We're all 30 years old. Yeah. I remember when Pokemon came out, yeah, and I was a little bit too old for it then. Uh, Same. I, I so Pokemon means nothing to me, right? The like first... I don't have any of this built-in nostalgia. I have no cultural relevancy for Pokemon whatsoever. Uh, the first two Pokemon games, the uh, forebearer Pokemon games, Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue, which right. were on original mm-hmm. Game Boy, uh, came out in 1998. Uh, Pokemon Yellow, which is the one that had Pikachu on the cover, which was like the hype of Poke Mania, right. whatever it was right. called, was 1999. So right. that's see that makes sense because 98, yeah. 99. I was in like seventh, eighth ish yeah. grade, so yeah. I was like thirteen. I had finally figured out that girls were more than just like cootie machines that they yeah. are when you're on the playground. I was like playing they music, just, going out with that. my friends, yeah. and I never caught on to Pokemon, so it means nothing to me. Like I know what Pikachu is, I know what some of the terms are, kind yeah. of. That's about it, though. I was doing none of those things. Um, I was squandering my life away on EverQuest. EverQuest. Yes. Oh wow, that's another that's so, another deep nerd internet game. So I gotta I'm gonna admit this finally and get it off my chest. All right, I need to tell you guys. I love it. I've been carrying it around for a long time. Um, <clears throat> when I was in high school, over my four year high school career, uh, I logged a year of played time on EverQuest, which would wow. mean twenty five percent of my life. Over oh, four years. Man. Damn. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Probably more, though, because that doesn't count the sleeping hours, either. Uh, yeah, it was not good. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, exactly, yes. You know, yeah, I, like, yeah. I so half even, of my wake time. Dude, yeah. I don't even know what EverQuest is. Yeah, oh, EverQuest sounds like somebody mispronouncing Everclear. No, That's yeah. All yeah. Uh, it's the precursor to Warcraft, yeah, so. What's Warcraft? What? World of Warcraft? Well, see, that's, that's a whole, whole other people conversation. People love that, too. That's one of the ones wow, that who are you? Too. Kev's not really a gamer in that way. Really? Oh, yeah. it's fantasy. Right. So it's fantasy, no. massively multiplayer. We're getting off on a tangent, but <laughs> hey, right? I can't critique people for playing games. So you <laughs> kids, you go play on. Have fun. I have presumably put over 600 hours of Fallout time in yeah. in numerous times in my life. So I, who am I to judge? Yeah. All right, let's move on to something else. Uh, Pokemon Go. I'm going to say over six months because I feel like even though they're in beta and there are issues with it, Give them six months. Give Nintendo this kind of reaction and see what they can do with six months of beta testing. It does. It doesn't really necessarily matter what they can do. It matters if the people yeah. move on to something else. Yeah. Could they? Sell or if their Trump games? gets elected, the country implodes. Yeah. We enact yeah. yeah. the purge. It, it and there's no more anything. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'll finally get a uh, Nintendo game on a different platform or that what? I actually want to play. Let me tell you, whoever invented this game and wrote the code for it is probably laughing all the way to the bank uh, today. So good. 
So what's the second thing we're doing in this segment then? Because you got to go catch them all right now, don't you? Uh, I want to be busy. Yeah, go I catch them all. Right now. So in the pre-build-up to the Boilermaker, uh, you and I had a brief conversation about how you got home late at night and happened to catch some Olympic trials on oh, TV. I did. I did yeah. indeed. And uh, it got me a little gassed up thinking about the upcoming Olympics in Rio de Janeiro starting on August 5th. Allegedly. Um, allegedly, right? <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about the Olympics. I do like the Summer Olympics. I, uh, I like the Winter Olympics, too, but the Summer Olympics are the more prestigious ones, I feel like, right? People yeah. seem to get gassed up That's more for the, the Summer Olympics. Are, yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts about the Olympics, specifically Rio de Janeiro? Um, yeah, I do. So my... I'm waiting for this one. I, I know, and I just, I feel like I get brought on the show for the heavy topics, and I'm no fun, and I am totally You're that way. Fun. No, I'm that way in real life. I'm definitely not, you know, the f- most no fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> no fun. I can't, that's what they call me. Uh, that's, that's, that's isn't like Pokemon <laughs> and the Olympics. Exactly, and... I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm negative about politics, yeah. Um, I, I have some concerns. I think uh, there's some real political and, and uh, political issues surrounding the Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. A massive amount of the people that live in Rio live in just crushing poverty. Oh, yeah. And that's Beyond a concern. crushing poverty. Yeah. Poverty just, that you can't even really understand. No, truly, that you cannot understand. Um, that's a concern for me, and I don't know the details, but I am a little concerned that, you know, this infrastructure gets left behind, and it continues to cost the city money and maintenance yeah. and upkeep, and they'll never... Be able to use it again. Um, I know they kind of went through a similar thing with the World Cup. This is a common problem with almost every Olympics and World Cup event: is they build all these new like landmarks and locations, and right. it's just like you know for a fact that they're not going to use all these locations. Yeah, exactly. Again. Even, exactly. They even in countries, possibly. even in countries like you know America, England, <clears throat> and other countries that are you know still not you know we've all got our problems. Not third but world. They're still not like Brazil, right. which has got bigger fish to fry. And, right. and not for nothing, the United States is loaded with sports venues. When they bring an right. event to the United States, they do it in a city that has multiple sports venues right. already there. That's part of the package when they sell it. Yes. Bring it to L.A. We have nine stadiums. Yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I don't want to get too negative in the Olympics right. uh, because I do like them a lot. Um, I understand, though, and I'll share a story that I had from back in the World Cup from Brazil, right? Uh, in the World Cup, I had a friend of mine. His name was Oscar. Uh, Oscar still lives in New York City. Shout out to Oscar if he listens to this. Uh, he had a young child and a wife, and he loved soccer. He had tickets to go to the World Cup, and he saved up to go to it. And it was not too long before the World Cup that he had this moment with me where we were at a bar, having a couple drinks after work, and he's like, I am afraid to bring my family to Brazil. I love soccer. They want to go. They want to be a part of it, but I'm afraid to bring my family there. And part of me wonders if you're going to see a lot of the same issues of people about the olympics this year it. i think a it's going to be a real right. concern well, i'll tell forward. you for me personally um brazil has always been i've always said this is like number one on my bucket list of foreign countries i'd like to visit yeah um i mean specifically because i've always been so interested in the amazon rainforest i'd love mm-hmm. to go see the amazon and the rainforest and all that but also you know that old school romantic image of like you know rio de janeiro and the you know that big giant christ the redeemer statue yeah. and like all yeah. these Beautiful beaches and interesting, like Portuguese tin, South Women. American cultures, and all the butts. There you go. And like there all this is. different stuff. <laughs> no, but like, no, but all of it. Brazil has always been on the top of my list. I'm like, man, if I can go any one place, it's Brazil. And it's looking like it's getting to the point now where, like, if somebody came to be like, hey, here's a free trip to Brazil with a yeah, stipend to right. go ahead spending money. So basically, you can go to Brazil on somebody else's dime, it'll cost you nothing, you can do whatever you want. 
I would probably, probably still go, but I would have severe reservations about Definitely, going. Definitely, right. for sure. Severe reservations, especially like, you know, in certain countries you go to, when they can tell you're an American person, it makes you a bit more of a target because they assume that everybody's wealthy. And compared to a lot of the people there, I am wealthy. And it's a shame because the Olympics have been such, uh, theoretically, in the build of what the Olympics could be, it's like a really amazing event to have That's all these so countries, right? Like, yes. at its bare bones, at right. the things that make the Olympics special... Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot there that we should be excited about, not only as a country, but as, like, a, a world community. Yeah. And it just feels very kind of corrupted yeah, a little bit to absolutely. a certain extent. It really ruins it, um, which is a shame. It so, is a shame. I know we want to, you know, put a positive spin on it. So I, I just want everybody, the, the way that I come into it is I try to empathize with all the athletes and I think about, uh, like, all the time and effort and energy I've put into sports mm -hmm. to be utterly mediocre, yeah, yeah. You know, like all the time and, and work that I put in to just not be that great. Yeah. So you know the discipline and hard work that these people put in to be the absolute best in the world. And you have to empathize with that and you have to support them. And I know that, you know, you wanted to talk about some more positive things. So that's definitely a highlight well, of the Well, that's games. a big positive, And I appreciate that. So let's let's try and do something positive here before we close out. I came up with... But a... not positive for the Zika virus. No, not yeah, positive. No. Not test positive for no. Zika. No. No. Uh, I, don't so test, I don't test positive for anything. I'm trying to come up with a list of my top three... Summer Olympic <laughs> events. What do you got? Uh, well, uh, did you guys come up with anything? Because I, I, I list. What are, your, I, what, are your, what are your top three favorite <clears throat> summer Olympic events? Top three. Top three. All right. So this should be no surprise to anyone. They are all track and field events. Ah. Okay. All right. Uh, the pole vault. Pole vault. Yes. Um, I pole vaulted twice in my life. It was terrifying. Oh yeah. Uh, my college roommate was a pole vault vaulter. Uh, he was very good at it. I was not. Mm -hmm. So it's always amazing to watch because it's just an incredible feat of strength and uh, agility. Um, I would say the 100 meter because it is the purest sprint. The 100 meter dash is tight. Yes. It's. It's one of the first Olympic sports that really resonated with me. It was like the Michael Johnson and Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. The Atlanta, exactly. I think the Atlanta Olympics were probably the first ones yeah. that were all really old enough to watch. I remember Barcelona because of the Dream Team, but those like... Right. Mm. Uh, final event is the uh, 400 meter mm. because it is uh, the purest measure of all men. Thank really? you very much. Yes. Also, uh, wow. my, my event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I'll, do, I'll do my top three. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I bet I can pick them. Probably. You know yeah. what number one's going to be. Uh, men's true. basketball. Men's yeah, basketball. Love men's basketball. Cannot get enough. I'm a huge mark for basketball. Number two, and this might go back to, um, I think, probably those 96 Olympics leaving an impression on me. And because it was such a national story at the time, I really enjoy the women's gymnastics. Oh, it's so good. Hey, it's crazy. Sure. And, like, the guys' gymnastics are also very impressive. Yeah. But because gymnastics are a sport that's predicated on being small and agile... Yeah. The women always tend to be just a little bit better at it and a yeah. little bit more. In, they're just a little bit more advanced. They're doing more yeah. advanced stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, for number three, I'm gonna actually cheat. I'm gonna say two things um, very quickly. Uh, wrestling, if they still have it, they do. Because my grandfather was an Olympic wrestler. Uh, yes. He wrestled for England and he wrestled for Great Britain in 1948. Uh, he was on the Olympic wrestling team. You know, he has a long storied history. Still holds some records over there in wrestling. So that holds a soft spot in my heart. John Sullivan. John Sullivan. Indeed. And um, but also my my real number three pick is every year it seems like there's an Olympic sport 
It's real hot for some reason. What's yeah. the hot? Like, I, I'm not sure what it All is. Right, I'll okay. have to see what the All narrative right. is. But, right. like, when Usain Bolt or Michael Johnson were right. trying to break the records, right. they were way into that. When mm. it was Phelps and swimming, it was that. Yep. There's normally a sport in the Olympics that has such a compelling narrative that you can't help to get mm. caught up sure. in it. And it's weird because for like two weeks you're paying so much attention to this bizarre thing you never think about for the rest of your life. So whatever whatever that sport is in this year's Olympics is my number That's three. Number I'll three. give you that because uh, you guys hit my original three was uh, track and field as a whole. I just called right, track and field enough. one, yeah. uh, gymnastics two. Uh, and basketball three. Track and field feels like the realest. Like that's the, the realest. one that they're doing. That's what I'm saying. Um, but, and wrestling and wrestling. But the, I'm going to go with a couple different ones because there's a few you guys didn't mention that I think hold some sway. How often do you watch swimming any other time in your life besides the Summer Olympics? Every morning at seven o'clock. Oh yeah, I watch swimming. <laughs> I don't weekly believe highlights. you. I don't uh, believe swimming, you. Swimming is awesome in the Olympics. I can watch pretty much any of those. Like, would you rather watch swimming race or would you rather watch like a high dive competition? Swimming race. Yeah. Yeah, swimming okay. race. Uh, swimming race because you really think about the kind of workout it must do to For do something sure. like Michael Phelps does. Like those long. Like I can't. I can barely swim. Same. So that's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other one I think this is this is a shout out to my lad Dano. Uh, sailing, because it's like the most preposterous <laughs> Olympic sport. I'm just gonna get out here in my catamaran and hope just, it's windy. And hope it's the windiest. Uh, archery is kind of a tight one. Ooh, I appreciate I archery. Even um, uh, boxing though was always the one that I liked as a kid because Olympic boxing is still kind of pure and awesome in a way that uh, professional boxing today is not. Right. Uh, and then really quickly, I just want to say for a guy who loves soccer, and I love soccer. I could care less about Olympic soccer because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And I'm not a soccer care. guy. Nobody cares. The teams don't care. They have so many tournaments and yeah. things that mean so much more. By the time they the Olympics, like what's this? It's this, this isn't even. They have their own Olympics. It's called the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. They just don't care about it. So I will watch it, but it won't matter. It's um, like the Pro Bowl, guys. That was <laughs> the longest show. Holy Between shit! We are very just a shade under our boilermaker. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty long. We yeah. We <laughs> no 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 wait 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 wait. That's how we can market it. We'll be like, since this is a special boilermaker themed episode, we decided to make it the exact same amount of time as our boilermaker. There you go. Yeah, there it's you probably go. close. Market it. Yeah, it's close. I'm into Somebody it. call the boilermaker. We're taking sponsorship uh, money. Let us right. know. Uh, thank you guys very much uh, for listening today. I want to thank Justin Parkinson for sitting in with us. I want to thank Cliff Montoni for coming back. I like having you here. It's nice having you around. It's nice. It's nice to be wanted. Thank Thanks, you. I appreciate it. Uh, for Kevin Sullivan, my name is Sam Famolaro. We will be back next week with another episode and no more races. I just started, punch, I just started punching <laughs> no, out. He's coming. You look so far off guard. I just did that. I decided to punch out.